So when I had the idea to start 10-pin life, it was really about growing the sport that I love. Bowling has been an absolute godsend for me uh, since I started it, and I really want to see more people be able to engage with the sport that I appreciate so much. So how do we do that? Well, obviously there's learning more about the game. So learn about bowling balls, learn about lane play, drills, training, that sort of stuff, how the game actually works, and being able to educate people on what it is that we're actually doing. But also, we need the professionals that participate in the sport that we love so much to be human, not to just be people that we see on TV or on our phones, on Flow Bowling or on Bowl TV. So when I had this idea, I really wanted to make a point to interview professionals of our sport, to give them a voice, to make them more human, to show kind of who they are so that we can really start to cheer for them, not just as athletes, but also as people. So that's where the 10 Pin Life podcast comes into play. This is all about giving professionals the opportunity to be able to be human, not just the people that we see on TV. So to start off, Maria Bolanova, who just wrapped up her rookie season on the PWBA Tour, said yes to joining me for the very first 10 Pin Life podcast. Maria is the youngest person to ever win a European bowling tour title. She's the first Russian to ever win a European bowling tour title. In her collegiate career, she bowled at Vanderbilt, where she was first the D1 Rookie of the Year in 2016, and then followed that up with the D1 Player of the Year in 2019. She also anchored, pun intended, the Vanderbilt team to winning a national title in 2018. But let's let Maria tell her story. Here we go, 10 Pin Life Podcast number one. Um, I kind of want to hear it from you, like what your bowling story was you know, over in Russia. And I, I have a lot of like notes about things that you were able to succeed in, like you're the youngest person to win a European bowling tour title, which is crazy to me to think that you could be that level of successful at, was it 14 years old? Uh, I think it was, yeah, or 14 or 16. I don't remember. You're going to know better than me, but <laughs> um, tell me about no, it. Like It was 14. It yeah. was 14. You know, honestly, I just... yeah, it was 14. Um, so... I guess I started bowling when I was almost seven years old. It was the summer before I actually went to the first grade. But my parents didn't know what to do with me because I lived in Moscow. It's a huge city. And for some reason, I stayed in the city instead of going to our country house with my grandparents that summer. And both of my parents worked. So there was a bowling alley literally down the street from my dad's work, and they were doing like a city camp where you drop your kids off in the morning and you pick them up after work at night. Mm -hmm. And I started bowling there. And I, you know, I didn't really think much of it. I just, I were having, I was having fun. I didn't play a lot of sports growing up. It was just bowling. So, mm -hmm. so I guess I just picked it up and never looked back. Was there ever any like, questioning like let's say you hit your your teenage years and then it's like oh now i'm getting really good at it but was there ever that moment of like why am i doing this this is weird i think not because mm -hmm. first of all i didn't play any other sports growing up so i didn't really yeah. have an option to go to a different sport at that point right. right and it wasn't on my mind and second i i have been doing it for as long as I can remember myself. Like, I literally don't remember my life without bowling. So there was never, 
a moment where I was like, let me just, I don't know, go play some basketball. You know? <laughs> like, <no. laughs> That's awesome. And then like, what, what was the process like of going from, you know, just bowling at your local bowling center to then bowling in European national events? Like, at, especially at that young, like you're walking into bowling centers where you're bowling against old men, I would have to assume, and everybody else in between. Um, was that something that's relatively normal around there? I guess I, I don't know much of anything about the bowling scene that's in Russia or East, Eastern Europe, anything like that. What is What was that process kind of like? So, you know, I think it's kind of weird to think about it. I think that it wasn't that hard for me to go bowl a tournament with, I don't know, adults or go a tournament in Europe because in Russia there's not really a lot of youth bowlers. So any tournament I would go bowl, it would be with adults. Mm-hmm. And I would go bowl it since, I don't know, it was 12, 13. It's not like I was mm-hmm. always winning or right. close to win at the age. But, you know, I kind of picked it up and I just kept going because it was the only tournaments available, basically. Yeah. yeah. There were very, very few youth tournaments. And then when I actually got on the national team, as a youth bowler, my coach in Moscow was the national coach. So, okay. you know, it was kind of a smooth transition because I didn't really have to, I don't know, get used to a different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I just kind of looked at it as going to a tournament with my coach, like mm-hmm. I usually would. That, to me, is the coolest part about bowling is you're never actually bowling against anybody besides yourself. I don't know if you look at it that way, but like for me, cause I grew up playing team sports, but for me, bowling was really attractive, especially once I got a little bit older because it didn't matter who I was around. If I could be as good as I could be and then take a quarter step forward in a positive direction, I know that I'm going to get that little bit better and it's just 60 feet 10 pins in yourself and it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing and actually if you don't pay attention to everyone else at least for me the better i bowl as a whole because if i start scoreboard watching it just all falls apart (laughs) but um i guess was that something you know like you said you didn't have any youth bowlers in your area you didn't really have any peer groups or anything like that it was just once it was just something that was kind of natural for you to jump into well when I just started, there was a youth group around, but mm-hmm. eventually, I don't know, the bowling alley that we all bowled in kind of closed. I, okay. I don't remember for what reason. So everybody kind of went different places. Somebody quit bowling. But, you know, like I think about, I don't know, Storm Youth Championships, right? Mm-hmm. They sell out in, in an hour. In Russia, that would never happen. You would have, I don't know, 20, 30 bowlers signed up tops. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm referring to when I'm saying, oh, there were no youth bowlers. Yeah. Across the entire country. Yes. Yeah. They would go out and compete. Like, they would go travel to compete. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of fortunate enough that I grew up in Moscow, which is usually the center, the epicenter of all the events. Um, and most people live there, like most yeah. bowlers who are competitive. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mm-hmm. got lucky that we had tournaments there. In other cities, it's not even that popular. Mm-hmm. 
So then you won, and I'm probably going to phrase this wrong, but the Master of Sports in Bowling, which sounds like it is a national accreditation in Russia for individual sports. Talk me, what does that kind of mean? Because to somebody who's lived in central Wisconsin his whole life, that is literally a very foreign thing to me. <laughs> so I there's no really no direct explanation to it because you guys don't have something like that here but if you were to think about ranks like in the army and the forces Mm -hmm. you know how like you like you become a soldier and then you have to work your way up like Mm -hmm. over the years and your achievements Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same way in, in russia but it's for all the sports even the team sports okay Okay. So what is the process of working your way up in bowling when you don't have any young youth bowlers that bowl competitively? Is it is it just like, hey, you went and bowled with all these other adults and you held your own and we're going to move you up a rank? Or how did that kind of go? So when I was just starting, it was by the average. So you would go to something something like team trials you have here, but like Russian championship. Mm-hmm. And you'll have to average, have a certain average for however many games you would bowl to earn a certain rank. Mm-hmm. And some of, some of the ranks you would have to keep earning year after year. Like you would have to like confirm that you're still good enough to be ranked that. And the master of sports is kind of like a title already. Okay. Like you don't have to confirm that one. And usually you get the master of sports. Um, and then there's international master of sports, and then there's one more. Um, I got mine for uh, placing uh, in the European Youth Championships. Mm-hmm. I think that year I got like a bunch of different medals, so they're like, oh, "Okay, you, you get the title now." And mm-hmm. to get a higher title, you have to do it at Worlds, and in an even higher title, you have to do it at the Olympic Games. So kind of averaging at a local tournaments to national tournaments to European to world to Olympics. So did they have anything to say when you struck to become an NCAA champion? That seems like uh, it would qualify. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I really wish, but no. That's that's <laughs> unfortunate because that's probably I I mean you've won so many things. There's probably a lot of moments that come up in thinking about like the coolest winning moments of your career thus far, but that's gotta be top three at least. The winning the national championship with Vanderbilt? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I I always tell people that uh it was the best ten pin I ever missed to win <laughs> something. Because <laughs> my very my very last shot, I left the 10 pin and I didn't even try. I just, I whiffed it. I was like, it's enough. Yep. <laughs> get, get us the trophy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, um, that was, that was so funny when I first started the TikTok thing. Um, I, when I'm at work, I have some sort of like most, there's some days where I just do paperwork. So I'll just turn on bowling. And, um, I had just like subscribed to you on TikTok or followed or whatever. And I was like, I feel like I know who that is now. <laughs> like, like you just came up on my screen and I was like, yeah, I definitely know who that person is. But yeah, that's awesome. And now 
your coach at Vanderbilt won the U.S. Open. Were you there? I wasn't there for her winning moment. Okay. But I was bowling. I was bowling with her all the 24 game. Yeah. I made it to top 24, but I didn't make it to the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I got to scoreboard watch a little bit for that one. And then Josie just absolutely turned it on those last couple rounds. Um, were you, were did you, well, it was match play. So you guys are all over the place, but, um, was that something where, you know, that's now you've got coach and mentor or a mentee that's bowling on the same set of lanes. Were you guys working together or kind of, how did that go? Did you help her get her way to a U.S. Open title? Well, kind of, because I lost my match to her. So she grabbed <laughs> the bonus pants. <laughs> but <laughs> it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> but, you know, mine and Joseph's relationship now, we're kind of like, I don't know, just friends. Yeah. We don't really see each other as like a coach or athlete. And it's, it's really cool, actually. And I think I gained a whole new um I forgot the English word for it. Like how how impressed I am with Josie. Like whole new respect yep. for Josie for winning the US Open because I was absolutely miserable <laughs> in the top twenty four. I uh, to be honest with you, I was like, I can't wait to go home. Like I just I can't and she won the whole thing. Right. I can I cannot imagine how hard it was. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that you know, I I I really think I know the answer is bowling 16 games of match play at the US Open in one day. But what is the longer day? Is it an NCAA tournament or is it 16 games at the US Open? Yeah, I think the 16 games to the US Open are harder because we also we also bowled 24 games beforehand. You're right. And then and then we're bowling sixteen and and sixteen more. And the last day I was I took a lot of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a long especially because that and I actually um you know, everyone gave the second pattern at the US Open probably the biggest reputation because it was at forty foot flat. But I think the scores actually played out where that fourth pattern was harder. Did you see that? Like, was I like from an outside party's perspective, it looked to me like the fourth pattern was harder than the flat pattern. Um, but uh, what what did you see when you were actually bowling it? I think that the fourth pattern actually was harder. We also, mm-hmm. all of us were really tired too, but I don't think it mattered that much at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, I think the main thing about it was that there was like a random block of oil yeah. on the right where your breakpoint was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So if you throw it a little harder, it's two, eight, ten. Like, mm-hmm. I think I, I saw it in my nightmares <laughs> after that. <laughs> and if you, if you missed in, it was a three, six, ten basically and a lot of corner pins yeah did did shape ever develop in it because that was one thing that i saw in those last two patterns is like for me i absolutely despise forward oil like i don't like forward oil in patterns i i i'm a low tilt guy i'm not able to just get in and spin it 
and um, I saw the the third pattern was all forward oil, and I was like, well, somebody's gonna wreck that. Which Sherry ended up just absolutely destroying that pattern. Um, but then there was that they had that big block at like thirty five to forty feet on that fourth pattern, but like. Normally, on any tournament condition, you get some sort of shape, but it really didn't seem like there was ever any room to be like, all right, I'm going to move seven left and just bank off of it. It never developed. Mm-mm. You know, with my rare rate, I in eight games, I yep. move more boards. Four total? Four total? Four total. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. How many times did you change balls, though, in eight games? So you... I, I believe I started with my reality. Yeah. Um, and then maybe I threw the Axiom, and then I threw uh, Ordnance C4. So I would say wow. I, I threw three balls. That's crazy. And, you, and that's all surface, like just get it to roll and, yeah, like give me a 10-pin. <laughs> well, yeah, but you kind of had to use surface, but you couldn't put too much on it. Uh, the front, the fronts of this bowling alley were hooking really early, the uh, whole week. So yep. you kind of wanted something to like blend in on the back end and not be too jumpy, but you also couldn't put too much surface because then it would just hook your feet and you'll get the two a ten for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was, oh, it was so frustrating. Did you, you know, learned a lot I, though? I'd have to imagine. I don't know. Well, yeah. And I also learned how to shoot a lot of stairs that I never learned. <laughs> you know, I feel sorry for all the reps that had to work that week because girls were throwing stuff around and kicking things like men. <laughs> I was I I personally uh, I I have to get the word, but I just I gave one of the reps a really hard time, and I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm just really frustrated right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brett Spangler, who is the primary rep for Motive, he he does he calls those fry days, where you just you're just completely fried out. And yeah, the U. I mean, that's supposed to happen at the U.S. Open, they say, but I've never heard a story of it happening on the ladies' tour. Um, was anybody actually breaking things? You don't have to name names, but like, what was the paddock room like? Nobody actually broke things, but. I don't know. Some people will take their wrist brace off and like put it on the chair. Um, one of my friends, she said she she kicked the ball return, and, but nobody really noticed, so she had to go fix it without anybody noticing. Because she like turned around and she's like, the reps definitely didn't have time talking to yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually I don't know if you are familiar with the story, but back when. Pete Weber was in the midst of winning one of his six U.S. Open titles. Um, similar thing happened um, where, but but it's Pete Weber, right? So you know that he's going to go absolutely ballistic because that's the way that he does things. And he actually he he actually took a bowling ball at his. He's like five foot one and he weighs absolutely nothing, and he spiked it into the floor so hard that he split it in half. Like that's how mad he was. Yeah, yeah. He split a 15-pound bowling ball in half in one swipe, which that's so much force. But uh, yeah, it's Richard Shockley 
who he lives in Rockford. Um, you, you may have crossed paths with him at some point. He was there and um, he actually coached me a little bit a few years ago. And yeah, that's probably one of my favorite stories ever, but yeah, yeah. Um, the U S open man, that's, it was, it was fascinating to watch. And I think it's pretty cool that your coach is able to win and now your friend. Um, mm-hmm. Have you guys like kind of, I mean, have you recapped on it at all? Or has it just been Josie's going to go take her hundred G's and she's going to go live it up for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't know what she's going to do with it, but I know Josie and I know she's going to be smart with it. She's not yeah. just going to spend it all in one week. If it was me, I would already have a new car. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you, you may, I mean, we don't have to get into super specifics, but it's not like you lost money your rookie year on tour either. I mean, you came out of, you know, came out of Vandy pretty much swinging. Now you had Brianna Clemmer, Brianna, I don't know exactly how to say her name. Um, and Stephanie who absolutely railed everybody there for a while, but it's like to be third place in that stacked of a rookie class, um, you know, did, did you find yourself looking around and being like, wow, I'm really kind of in the middle of it. Like, this is pretty cool. Like, or, or like, was it just the normal thing? Like when you were growing up? Well, you know, this season, I'm not really happy with this season, how I've been bowling. So I, I've been telling myself, oh, I need to work on this and that. Like, you can't just, I don't know, go and not make a cut or something. And then I'm like, what are you saying? Like, you literally breathing the same air as Liz Johnson right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, you're literally bowling against the best in the world. Your rookie class absolutely rocks. And you're complaining about something so instead. Um, so I would say sometimes I, because I had a lot of success in college and beforehand, I tell myself that I need to do better. But then I kind of do a reality check and I'm like, sometimes it's kind of normal. And sometimes I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you, there's gotta be that moment where you're in match play at, in like, like the first time you hit match play and then you cross with Shannon O'Keefe and Liz Johnson and Shannon Pluhowski and like all of these names that you watched as a kid, like there is gotta be that moment where it's like, yeah, I could probably be throwing it better, but this is pretty cool too. Yeah, you know, actually, I was crossing with Stephanie Johnson uh, at the U.S. Open for our qualifying block, mm-hmm. and I, she, I don't know, she wasn't bowling when I was like, do you, do you want to hear a story that might make you laugh? So she was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I say, when I was a kid, I used to watch all those videos, you know, that, that you see that back on YouTube, like recaps mm-hmm. of the style around the world, like all that. And I was like, at some point, I I just stopped seeing Stephanie Nation, and I was I was super confused where she went. And then when I actually like moved here, and I realized that she just got married, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like me, like me me as a kid in Russia, I had like no idea how those people were. Like I was so far from it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where is that Stephanie Mayo? And then she she actually laughed. She's like, yeah, that's cool. 
<laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I um so Derek Oaf um who's from Madison, so I've I've bowled a bunch of stuff against him. He was in those same videos and I was just randomly scrolling through uh YouTube of probably a few months ago and I I took a screenshot and I sent it to my buddy Nick who um has been bowling you know, PBA regional level stuff for 15 years now and um I was like that's Derek, right? Because man, he looks like a kid. <laughs> Just looks like a completely different person. Um, but yeah, that was back. Uh, those are some good years for USBC when Rod Ross was really pushing Team USA forward. And um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool that you're able to see that over there. But um, was there? There's a there's a Team Russia. I would have to imagine. Have you ever been a part of that? Uh, I was in the youth team and I was in the adult team. I think okay. in the youth team since I was 13 or something. An adult team probably like 15, 16, 16. Okay. All right. And then traveled all over the world? Well, mainly around Europe. Is, but I could, I could say that I bowled on Tokyo in Tokyo. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That is pretty neat. Was that one of your favorite places to go? Like, what was your, like, internationally, what's one of your favorite places to bowl? You know, actually, Denmark, I think. Interesting. I I, I like their bowling alleys. They're kind of, like, cute and small, but super clean and, like, all lit, lit up. I don't know. <laughs> they just have a way <laughs> with you. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I would have never guessed I, Denmark. Yeah. The, the Dream Bowl Palace in Munich is pretty cool, too. Okay, yeah. I uh, I don't know anything about any of those places, so that's pretty cool that you've been able to see those. I'll have to check those out. Um, and that, do, you do you know if you have any, um, or if there's anything on the internet of you bowling anywhere over there, like in, in any of those cool centers? I don't know if they would be on YouTube. I know there's, like, well, I know there's individual shots of me like somebody like took like a video and posted it on YouTube, but no like actually like qualifying blocks or something. Actually, there might be. I don't know. If you were to Google EYC for European Youth Championships, mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff would probably come up. And I I can still sort of actually, read you might German. See my so video, cause, yeah. Okay. Because um uh when I was still. No, when one of my first years of European youth, Jesper, and I recorded him shoot a 300 game. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that would have been... You You guys are probably just about the same age then, huh? No, no. I think he is... Well, he's like four years older than me or something. Okay. I, I would think. I, I think so. I don't know. But yeah, you, you guys kind of, I mean, it's its different parts of Europe, but you've had to have crossed paths a number of times if you're all bowling in the same events, right? Yeah. I mean, when, when we're like not really friends, but we definitely know of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is one thing I want to know. How did you get hooked up with Brad Miller to bowl to Lucy? <laughs> um, so I I was looking for a partner. I was really, I'm, I'm just really late on things. So I called Gary Holsenberg and like, I don't know, maybe May or June. And I was like, hey, Gary, is there anybody to bowl with at the Lucy? He's like, no, no, I don't 
I don't think so, but if somebody, I don't know, if I, I hear of somebody. And then I think maybe in June sometime or May, I don't know, like a few weeks after that, mm-hmm. he calls me and he's like, hey, I have a perfect partner for you. And I was like, who? He's like, oh, you might know him. Like, no big deal. And he's like, it's Brad Miller. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, and then the next thing I know, Gary Holzenberg is, is uh, where, like, he puts us in a iMessage group together. And he's like, hi, guys, meet each other. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome um and then how was it like that's probably one of the coolest tournaments year round and then you're doing it with the guy that's holding the camera the whole time and like i'm sure everybody and their brother is walking up to him like hey you're you're brad miller like you're the youtube guy like what was that like you know it was really interesting brad Brad has jokes (laughs) um and then because he he was feeling like he needed to I don't know, for really big scores, because like all other guys were throwing big scores. He he was frying out and I was like, Brett, I don't like fried food. I don't I don't want it here. And we were just laughing about it. He's an he's an interesting guy. He's really pleasant to be around. Um and I think we're bowling together next year too. Awesome. Awesome. You got you gotta love having a date already for next year because that's um I don't know if there's a lot of exchange of partners in that tournament, but I've seen it a decent amount, but it's pretty cool to be like, to have bold good enough to be like, you know what? Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. And we just, and we decided it at the Lucy too. So oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. It tells you that we, we clicked pretty good together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess was there, there was probably some, on lane advantages too with the two of you bowling together because you probably play relatively similar parts of the lane i mean you have a pretty similar rev rate if not a higher rev rate than brad I and you throw it harder okay I throw it harder than brad yeah but other than that yeah well we're basically on top of each other the whole time yeah that's pretty cool yeah. did, did that help at all because because like bowling with uh you know over here with all the guys like you know, when, when the, when the ladies tour crashed, um, in 2011 or no. Yeah. And then it came back in 15. That was one thing that all of the girls that went out onto the men's tour would talk about how, like, it's a completely different game when you're bowling against all these guys that are just absolutely shredding first to fifth arrow. Um, did you, I guess, did you see that out there? And then did Brad kind of help coach you through it or did you tell him what to do? (laughs) no Brett coached me through it um I don't know I feel like because a lot of men were bowling with us so it kind of was not really us creating like the move left to each other for each other it was just everybody bowling on the squad um but Brett definitely has more experience bowling so far left because he's a men's tour and then I'm right there on the women's tour and he definitely was like yeah maybe it's time to move more like don't be afraid to move or I don't know let's change balls I don't know we'll we'll basically say at the same time Mm -hmm. it might have been different balls but we definitely had similar pieces in our hands yeah that's awesome. That's awesome. When you were growing up, did you have a 
a hero or a bowling idol that you like looked up to was like, I want to bowl with him or her someday. Or maybe I'm, I am bowling with him or her because I'm bowling adult tournaments at 13 years old. Yeah, not really. I just really like watching different bowlers bowl. Like, mm-hmm. I would just go on YouTube and watch some TV shows and I'll be like, oh, I really like how this person is bowling and I like how this person is bowling or I really don't like how this person is bowling. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was just kind of watching some of the best people in the world and be like, I I hope I can be there one day. Mm-hmm. There wasn't just one person. What bowlers didn't you want to bowl like? Whose game irritated you? Irritated <laughs> me. I don't. I don't know. For some reason, for some reason, I didn't like how Mike Mike Fagan bowled. Really? You didn't. You didn't, you didn't like the big crazy. backwards elbow thing. <laughs> I was like. I don't know how it stays in place. Like, no no offense to him. Like, he was really, really good. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I felt like it's not something I could ever do. So mm-hmm. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I really like Bill O'Neill, uh, Weston a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, they're not doing anything crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Wes was there for a while. He just got overlapped by Belmonte because that was when Jason came over to the States and then just started spinning high roads and then winning titles. But like Wes was like you get when when the gold ball came out, was that 2013? Wes was in like every TV show for like two years because him and that ball are still best friends. <laughs> No, I mean they're not doing anything super crazy in their technique, but like not, uh, not in like making TV shows. But yeah, I, I, yeah, thing on the approach mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. was like, oh my, my god, I could never like I could never do that. Well, yeah. I'll never be as tall as Weston Watt, but <laughs> <laughs> I that that is one guy I have yet to meet. I have yet to meet Wes, but I don't know if I want to because I don't really feel like being towered over by by the big nasty. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm only I'm only five foot eight on a good day. So he and it's um when he bowled um the doubles, the PBA doubles with Norm Duke, that's probably one of my favorite like TV moments ever when he picks Norm up like the elf that he is. That <laughs> <laughs> was absolutely classic. Um, yeah, and then one of the guys, so I, I won't make you be the one that throws somebody under the bus all on your own. When I was growing up, the one guy that I just couldn't stand watch bowl, and he, he was in like every show for four years when Denny's was still like the primary sponsor of the PBA was Mike Scroggins. It was like, he was just that old school lefty and it never looked like his ball should have ever struck and he would outstrike everybody when they were just dirt and it was so frustrating to watch because i was big on like tommy jones uh you know these guys that could really get uh chris barnes when uh you know he was pre-injuries he was still really kind of getting in on it um like those are the guys that i like to watch bowl because you know i'm 11 years old give me some rev rate and then here comes mike just dumping 200 up five (laughs) And he's outstriking everybody, so I I, pro- I won't make you be the only bad guy here. But <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, 
what do you do for fun? Like bowling's great, but it can't be the only thing that we do. What what how does Maria spend her time? I like to sleep a lot. Um, <laughs> but seriously, seriously, um I've been back from the US Open so I haven't really been bowling. Today is the first day I picked up a ball, like a week later after coming back. Um I've been doing puzzles the whole week. Oh, okay. Nice. I'm on I'm on puzzle number 3. <laughs> well, you know, it's really funny about me that I am probably the most impatient person you'll ever meet. You're the most impatient person I'll, that I'll ever meet? Impatient, yeah. Yeah, and, and yet you do three puzzles in a week somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. that, that maybe, map doesn't maybe I just can't wait. Maybe I just can't wait to get them done. That's why I do so fast. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I was also I was also a victim of the pandemic baking. So now oh. now I have a fancy mixer and I make like cupcakes and and stuff. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Did you get to bowl at all during the pandemic? Like, cause that was your senior year, right? At Vandy was pandemic year. Yeah, oh. but it our season just cut short. So started in. March and we actually had just finished our last tournament of the like of the main season. Okay. Okay. And we just didn't get to have conference and nationals. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was that line because I was coaching high school at that time. That pretty much aligns out the same where conference was packed full of people the first week in March, and then they're like, "Well, actually." We're not going to do anything anymore because we can't pack 3,000 people into a 40-lane center right now, <laughs> regardless of fire codes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's yeah. That, that kind of sucks, though, Like, because you guys were – or no, you weren't – was that – no, you weren't defending champions at that point because you won your sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we weren't – we we finished second my junior year. Oh. <laughs> really? Who did you who, – yeah. who won that year? SFA. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that because um, Carlene Byer was on that team, and she yeah, it, mm -hmm. she's she's local. Matt Byer owns a bowling center that I bowl at like four times a year, and that's her old man. So oh, yeah, that was cool. that was one where it was like, oh, I really know who that person is because I saw her bowl at twelve, <laughs> and wow. now she, and now she's on TV. And, um, yeah, she is actually, um, I bowled cause she came home for the summer, probably three or four different things with her this year. But, um, yeah, that was, that's right. I forgot that they won that year, but, um, what are you working on? Like now that you're jumping back on, on the lanes, what's a physical game or mental game? What's, what's on the docket to be the next thing to get better at? And I think that the main thing I need to get better at is mental game because, mm -hmm. No matter how much I work on my physical game, the mental game is going to be the thing that stops me from making shows or cut the most. Well, mm -hmm. I, I believe that. I, I think that my physical game is good enough to be able to do those. But mental game is something that's been in the way for me. Um, and then I, I always have a few things that I want to tweak in my physical game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mental game is going to be... A priority i think what are you what's what's your plan for improving it the mental side 
you know, I think it's it's really hard to work on it in practice because mm-hmm. to really, really practice it, you have to create like tournament situations. I mean, you know what I'm trying I'm I'm trying to say, like you have to be in in the moment mm-hmm. to actually practice it. But you know, I think I'm gonna really try and read something on it, maybe talk to somebody about it, maybe I don't know if some techniques or mm-hmm. I don't know, brain. Uh, no, I actually don't know. I just so, have like little ideas, but I I don't have a full plan right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with who he is, but he's um he's uh comically known as the Iceman. His name is Wim Hof. It's W I M H O F. He's Danish. Um. The reason that they call him the Iceman is because um, he fit, he is the only per well he climbed Mount Everest in shorts and a t-shirt. This is not a joke, um, and uh, he didn't really summit all that much either. So I don't know if you're familiar with the mountain climbing process, but um, basically, most every single person that's ever climbed that mountain, you get to certain points of altitude and you have to stop and like sit there for a day so that your body can acclimate. Um, and he did basically the whole thing without doing that. And he did it all without any sort of real gear on. And everyone thought he was a psychopath when he said that he was going to go do it, which he is. Um, but what he did is um, he figured out a it's not really a meditation technique um it's a deep breathing exercise that he just calls the wim hof method and it takes five minutes of your time and it's a really weird experience because you take in like a bunch of really deep breaths and you over oxygenate yourself and then you you consciously stop yourself from breathing so you completely expel all of the air from your your lungs and when you over oxygenate your body says i actually don't need air right now and there's this weird cathartic experience where you actually don't have to breathe and there's some psychological effects that actually happen in your brain that allow your airways to open up further and your diaphragm to work better so your breath is deeper after you do this and your cortisol, which is the stress hormone in your body goes down. I only bring this up because I did this exclusively for bowling purposes because my, when I get under pressure, my breath gets really shallow and really high. I start breathing up here a lot and then my form completely goes away and doing that the day before and the day of an event, I could push my breathing back down and recenter myself and I would pack the, the, the three in the tent that I would need like every single time. So recommendation, he has an app too. Like he literally has an app that teaches you how to do this breathing technique. It's called the Wim Hof method. It's free. Check it out. Yeah. It's going to be so weird forewarning, but it's pretty cool. Okay. I, I definitely will. (laughs) It would have been really, really good to know when we had to bowl in masks. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't do that. Like I did, I did for a couple tournaments around here. Um, but I pretty much took all of COVID off. Like as much as I love bowling, I really needed the break anyways. And then I like my day job 
I was working like 65 hours a week anyways. And it was like, I just don't have time. I, I just, I wanted the break anyway, just take the break. And I, I think I only bowled two or three tournaments in it. And then you guys didn't have to wear them for like half the season and then had to do it again at the U S open, which was unfortunately the longest tournaments. Was that, was that kind of a big barrier for you? So I, I really like the white tape because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like when, you know, I really, I literally can't bowl when I feel like my hand is about to slip uh, out of my ball. Even, even if I pack a lot of tape and, and I know we won't, I just, I hate that feeling. So it's mm-hmm. really important for me to, um, feel the texture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i try not to pack too much but it's really feel it's really important for me to feel secure you know yeah yep yeah one of my um my buddies um he's an idiot it's fine but he um he's got this thing I, he developed it in college he bowled at vincent's for a couple of years where um he he has this thing where he has to have like somewhere between like 10 and 13 pieces of tape in his thumb all all on the pad side of his thumb and it's always white tape and it's just it's like this pillow that he just sets his thumb on it's the weirdest thing almost the same way like that many um, well maybe not that many but That's a you lot. know like they would they would drill a like a thumb for me like a new thumb like when you it and I would hate I don't know like I, I don't like so I would make it like really big and then I can kind of shape because I cut my own tape like in the size that I need and I would kind of shape it with all the different tape like and literally make it unique I don't know not that other times are not unique but it was super unique <laughs> so that, that's why I would have so much pieces of tape did you did you learn to do that when you were a kid? Was it always was it has it always been a tape game for you? Um, pretty much since I could, like when I learned to change my own tape, you know, when I was mm-hmm. I don't know eleven, twelve. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I would change tape. I don't know before every practice. You oh know, wow! Okay. It gets yeah. how how do you get so like dust on it? it yeah, has to be changed. Well, yeah, if you like the feel of that coarse grit type, any time that you get any sort of, you know, even just just stuff in there, whether it's dust or, you know, skin that happens. Right. Um, I can imagine that that. Yeah, it gets slick. And then it's if you can't bowl without feeling like it's just going to stick on your thumb. That's that is a critical thing, which it's it's cool that you have that, though, because I know a lot of guys that bowl. Yeah. They're, they're not they're not professional level by any stretch of the imagination, but they just struggle with it. Like it's they, it's sometimes it's popping off their thumb and they don't have the confidence to be like, let's put some tape in because they're afraid that they're going to just break their thumb right off. It's like, I promise you, we can pack five pieces of tape in that thumb and it ain't going. It's going to come off your hand. You just got to will it that way. And. They've seen like one guy ever throw it into the ceiling and they've been broken ever since. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, here's here's one for you. So and I'm I'm when when you said yes to doing this podcast, this was the first question that came to my mind because of your experience in international bowling. Like you've seen it from all four corners of the earth. How do you think you would make bowling better 
whether it's tournaments or the game itself. I don't think the game itself needs a whole lot of changing, but like, what would you change about the sport to make it better? Would I change? You know, I, I don't know if I could change that, but I wish that more bowling alleys had people in charge who actually care about bowling. Because I think that would open up a lot of opportunities for their business and Mm -hmm. local bowlers and Mm -hmm. just attracting more people who want to bowl because they would come in a bowling alley. And I mean, obviously some people just go for, I don't know, beer and pizza, like on a Friday night, like for fun. But Mm -hmm. if you walk into the bowling alley during the day and it just looks, you know, well, the pro shop is open and you want to, you might want to try like bowling seriously. So I think that if more people who really link or really had the opportunity to be in charge of a bowling alley, I think it would be really, really helpful for our sport. Do you have any desire to be a bowling, a proprietor or to own a bowling alley? You know, if, if I had the money to buy a bowling alley, yes. Yeah. Yeah, my 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 buddy Nico just kind of referenced. He just bought one. He bought one a year ago, like almost to the to the day. Um, so mid pandemic, he bought a bowling center in the middle of the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Which, if you've never been up here, you're not missing much. Um, and <laughs> I've been to Wisconsin. <laughs> if you've been to Southern Wisconsin, so like Milwaukee, Southern. Madison, that area, it's a completely different world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there uh the, the the people are sparse but um he has he has um because he's he's loved bowling since he was nine and um took a bowling center that was dying and now he's up he he hasn't quite doubled his team volume for his leagues but he's really close to doubling the volume of teams in a year with some effort and some concern for the game like literally just like i love this and now i'm going to do this and now it's working in less than a year so it's very possible um and i completely agree with you i guess you you know you kind of said that the bowling center that you grew up at closed is that kind of where that comes from where it's like it really doesn't exist where i came from and if it did there's so many more people that could do this or is it something more stateside here that you're seeing as a more common thing yeah, I'm just seeing it here as a common thing. Like mm-hmm. sometimes, I don't know, maybe I'm traveling or I don't know, I just want to go practice at a random bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you walk in there, you just take the wheel because it's going to be a long practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can I can contest to that. I one of our one of our locals that's around here um still wood, which there's nothing against wood lanes. I like wood lanes, but they're they're not the most well kept and it's just kind of, you know, it's a bowling alley that's still around. It's not necessarily thriving and um it's in the it's it's, it's in the city that is just it's so old and there's like 3000 people that live in the city as a whole and it's just it's just this dingy little bowling alley. And it's it's romantic because you can see like it's almost like a time machine where it's you go back 25 years and you can see how everything kind of used to be. But it hasn't changed in 25 years, too. 
and now it's just beat up and kind of just old and yeah it's it's there's a lot of that i I think there's probably more of that than i even realize because um you know i don't i don't travel nearly as much as you do to go bowl but um that's that's i think that's a would be an awesome place to start um what about uh what about this you graduated from vandy with a communications major right it was a it's an interesting major. It's like I'm half engineer and half communication. I studied communication of science and technology. So what does that mean? Like what like what is the career path besides professional bowler in that <laughs> in that major? You know, it's basically I would be a translator from science to normal people language. Okay. Okay. So, like, okay, so you would work more for, like, a a general contractor or something like that that's, like, building, like, some sort of construction and, like, okay. Why that? Basically, why? Yeah. So, because I really wanted to be an engineer first. (laughs) It didn't work out. (laughs) Me and my physics professor just did not get along. It, Mm -hmm. It was bad. and. Then I was like, you know, maybe I'll try communications. And Vandy had this interesting major where I could still use the tech side that I learned, but also take things like public speaking, a bunch of writing classes, a bunch of classes that bridge the two, uh, mm-hmm. the techno- the science, technology, and communications. So mm-hmm. it was it was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have never even guessed that that was a thing to be like a blended kind of because that's that's pretty career path. Like you're going to you're going to if you're going to use that, you're going to end up in like mm-hmm. a, I wouldn't say niche market, but uh, you know what you're going to be doing based on that major versus like a marketing major where it's like, I'm going to go do marketing. Well, what does that mean? I don't really know yet. <laughs> yeah, it's like I learned. I learned something about a lot of different things. That's why I can kind of go in almost every field, but also do the same kind of job. But I can choose, I guess, based on... But now, funny that you mentioned marketing, because in grad school, I'm doing marketing now. Which you're doing at St. Francis. I just found that today. You're coaching too. Yes, I'm a very good assistant. That's awesome. Tell me about that shift. Like, I mean, are you coaching because you love bowling or have you always wanted to coach? And what's grad? I mean, you just fired up your first semester of grad school now, too, or is this your second? This is going to be my second. I actually started in January. Oh, okay, okay. And then bowling season's coming up here. Like, has it started already? No. Um, I actually don't even know our practice schedule yet because all the class schedule is still shifting a little bit because the first, actually today is the first day of class. Um, oh, okay. But uh, our season starts in October and we're going to actually start um, traveling in it, but we're going to start practicing pretty soon too. And you know, the the most interesting thing about coaching like I, I literally graduated and within a year I was on the other side of things and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit like why 
coach told me certain things in college or why he wasn't happy about me doing something, you know, that seemed so stupid at the time. Like, I literally couldn't understand. And now I'm the coach telling one of my players that. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how the shoe fits on the other foot. exactly yes exactly have have you found that refreshing or like fulfilling to because for me that's like especially to be such a quick turn on that that's got to be like almost i i would see that as fulfilling because you put in all that work at vandy when your coach is like looking at you like stop being dumb and then you listened i'm guessing at least some of the time probably not all the time we all went to college. We all know what it's like. <laughs> but um, then to be able to have to be that person and appreciate that that position almost immediately, it can to me, that's one of those moments where I'm glad that I listened when I did, because clearly he was right. Yeah. Like the moment like mom, I made it like I'm now trying to give all, all my knowledge that I gathered in the last four years of like co- connected to collegiate bowling and I'm trying to teach it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I genuinely want them to get better. I genuinely want them to do well. Mm-hmm. I want them to have the best time of their bowling career. And it's, I don't know how to describe that feeling. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not the head coach, but I still have some power mm-hmm. uh, on what the players do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, oh, no, like, I, I don't want to mess them up, but I really, really want to help them, I don't know, like, do a certain thing. For for me, the, my I only been in the first semester and we didn't get to bowl much because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, definitely a lot of learning, um, a lot of learning, like, on the personal level, how to approach every player, what they can and cannot do, you know. Coaching is just a whole different world that I kind of, you know, obviously thought about mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. But when you actually get to do it, you're not ready for every single situation. And you don't know what to do in every single situation. But mm-hmm. when you're a player, you don't really think about it. So mm-hmm. I would say it's, it, it's been refreshing. Because now I, I understand a lot of whys that I had when I was a player. Yep. Yep. So that's, I'm just, as you're talking about that transition, your, your major in Vandy and the coursework that you had has to help that because bowling is such a technical sport. And if you're a freshman in college, like the, the real, the reality is that they're not going to know probably much of anything about the, like the, physics and the dynamics of how bowling works but you don't necessarily have to just lean on this science like you can kind of translate it into ways that make sense have you found that to be kind of the case where you're really using that educational background to help them understand what's happening yeah maybe not just in science but kind of i don't know just anything yeah i've really learned that comparing i don't know some something that it's really hard to imagine or think about to small things you you see every day but kind of that 
how do you explain this? I can't, I can't even explain <laughs> this. You know how, I don't know, I don't know. Like, a, a space shuttle is however many football fields, you know, yeah. the person will have an idea of how big it actually is. So yeah. it's kind of been trying to use those little tips and tricks that I got in college to, you know, dumb things down <laughs> sometimes. Uh, the way that I would phrase that is that you're putting it into per- a perspective that makes sense to them. I, I don't think it's dumbing it down. Like, cause, cause there's, yeah. there's so many things about bowling that you can so vastly overthink. Like if you yeah. start really diving into the, cause that was actually when I, cause I started bowling competitively at 23. So I bowled youth leagues a little bit and then my father-in-law asked me to go bowl league and then it just kind of went off the rails. And now it's like what I think about all the time. Um, and, um, so the way that I kind of advanced that as fast as I could to get up to being competitive was through numbers. So understanding like the actual physical dynamics of the way that a bowling ball gyrates, because like you, Mm -hmm. I am kind of a physics dork. Um, assuming that you're a dork and you just didn't like your teacher, which you can be a dork. It's awesome if you are, but, um, so that was how I did that. And then, um, learn, you know, learning layouts. And now, now that two LS is like the standard and I'm just vastly confused by it and just wanting to figure out like all of the ways that they're trying to do this. But the other side of that is you have to throw the ball and you have to watch it go down the lane and it really doesn't matter how much, you know, (laughs) if you can't, if you can't see it. Go ahead. Yeah, that's how that's how I felt at the U.S. Open. Sorry, that's how oh, you're I felt good. at the U.S. Open. Yeah, because you might know all the numbers, all the surfaces, but then I I throw it on the fourth pattern and it's a two eight again, and I'm like, how? how why? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Um. Do you find um, do you find that you see ball motion better when you're throwing it or when you're coaching? Oh, definitely when I'm coaching. Yeah. Does that drive you nuts? Because yeah. that I that I loved that about coaching, and then I'd go throw the ball, and I'd be like, I'm missing a third of this. I can't see it. Yeah, like, it, yeah, it's actually sometimes really frustrating because I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm missing something, but I cannot see it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I literally, I, I wish I could... You know, sometimes I consider um, when we're bowling, bowl TV on and just watching my shot that I just threw. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's really hard to tell from the video. I just wish I, I had the person who was standing behind me, which was me, and telling yeah. me what I just did. Yep. Do you ever use cameras for yourself? Because, like, I've started practicing with an iPad all the time. Like, if I'm going to go actually practice, an iPad's coming with me, and I watch back pretty much every shot. I I use my phone and then I will work yep. on something and I'm like okay let's let's see if it's actually anything changed mm-hmm. so I'll go and record a few shots and see what I'm actually doing but now I, will, I don't record like the whole practice mm-hmm. just some shots when I feel like I've been working on something and I need to look back and see um, if anything is different. Okay, yeah, I just um. I'm crazy like that where I, I hyper analyze. So, um, it was, yeah, it's interesting. Cause everyone does it their own way. Like I know guys that are pure field bowlers. Like 
They they don't care what it looks like. It's just if it comes off my hand right, I know it's going to strike. And I don't even know what I hit, but I know I'm going to strike, um, which is a weird, weird phenomenon, if you ask me. But, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool to, to have that technology like right away. It's just in your pocket. Like I can make myself better with this thing if I just put it if I just prop it up on this seat that's here put it I've seen guys like even use their shoes as tripods which is hilarious but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I mean really your your path has been so fascinating um this is kind here here I think this is maybe the best way to wrap it up so I'm gonna I'm gonna give our internet as much juice as I can so that it doesn't cut out if you had to explain to a stranger what you do, how do you explain it? And if you have to use Russian swear words, you're welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, you mean like that I bowl or how do I bowl? Or like how you got to the point of being a professional bowler that won a European bowling tour title and has this master of sports and the national champion and was a top three rookie of the year her for, for her first year on the ladies tour and is not slowing down like like that whole path if if you have to give the elevator speech how do you do that you know if it was a complete stranger that had nothing to do with bowling i would probably tell them that i'm just crazy and i'm better than them at bowling because that's I, I feel like it's a much longer path at this point. That public speaking class, my junior year, I think it was my junior year, um, I did a presentation on bowling, and I had to explain bowling balls, lane play, and oil patterns in 10 minutes. <laughs> and it was the... the and, I, I could, and, I, and I chose to do this, and it was the worst decision of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this. So I would keep, if somebody asked me, I would keep it really short. And- <laughs> I can't imagine trying to explain any of those, one of those three things in 10 minutes, let alone all three. I, I want to forget this. It, it was <laughs> awful. I don't know how my classmates sat through this. They didn't have a choice. And, and some afterwards, that means that they actually listened. Well, no, no, they did, but they actually listened to something. I was like, oh, yeah. See, that's that's the thing. I don't know if I think it's maybe maybe that's what you maybe that should be your thing during your off time is figuring out how to use this ability to put things into a perspective that makes sense to other people and explain bowling. Especially if you're going to get into marketing, if you're if marketing is going to be your graduate uh, focus, if you can figure out how to explain to somebody the intricacies of how bowling is, in my perspective, one of, if not the hardest sport in the world, uh, and you can do that in 15 minutes, I think that's how you make the game better. Because what the, then what it does is it says all right, if I'm watching bowling on TV, it's not just I'm spinning it and I'm throwing it right and it's just pushing pins over because it's easy. It's like, no, then you go watch what the U.S. Open just was and the fact that the the fact that Josie got nine very, very luckily in the 10th 
and then made it, it actually wasn't that bad of a shot. It was this much off, and it's because of how hard bowling is that it's like you can see if you understand that you can see it, but if you don't understand it, it's just like, well, she threw it bad, and now she just won a hundred thousand dollars. This is dumb. Like, I think you should. I think if you can explain that, there's your graduate thesis. I just nailed it for you. No, and I actually think it's. I think it's impossible. I mean, they they're trying to do with the new scoring system. Um, oh yeah. Strike is thirty. Spare is ten plus whatever you left. And mm-hmm. I think it's. Is a step in there, but I don't think they can do much more. I mean, you can't say that there's a short pattern because it's shorter than 39 feet mm-hmm. and they're throwing a weak ball, and that's how it works. But and I don't know, people won't know the actual depth of I don't know the speed matters, their rev rate matters, mm-hmm. the, the lane itself matters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you can do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe in you. If that's what I you want to do. It's kind of like golf. Yeah. I mean, you, you can just say that bowling is just like golf, you know? And then people will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. I've done that in the past. I don't know if you've ever used that comparison, but... Um, I have. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, Real Sports is on HBO. It's been on HBO since like the 90s. Um, and they did a feature on Nebraska during, I think it was during Julia Bond's senior year. So like three, three years ago. Um, and they went through their, uh, cause they got their bowling lockers in their practice area and all that. And she was trying to explain it to the guy that was interviewing her. And she's like, would you show up to a golf course with two clubs? No. So you don't show up to a bowling tournament with two balls like they do different things. And this one that doesn't do anything in terms of, you know, it's my spare ball. So it's my putter. Like that's the one that has to work the best. Otherwise, the whole day's shot. But also I need a driver and I, I need, you know, a five iron and I need a wedge and I need to be able to do different things in different areas. And um, I'll actually I'll, I'll have to send you the link because. Brian Gumble, Brian, Brian Gumble, whatever, the host of the show, um, was like super disrespectful when it shot back to the studio. He was like, it's bowling. Like, like his show, like went out to one of the most storied collegiate programs in bowling, did this and great. Players. Yeah. And, and like did this interview, got phenomenal interviews out of these college players and then he was just like but it's bowling and it's like no man you weren't listening (laughs) (laughs) you know what you should do with this new cancel culture you just should post it on facebook and say something like oh canceled bowlers will take care of it i don't know (laughs) there's like bowlers are so bad at twitter though i don't i don't know (laughs) Like no no one no one in this in this bowling zone knows how to use social media to like a really good degree. Like there's so few of us that could actually cancel somebody. Like that's another way how to how to grow it, which I think is pretty cool that like you and I, by absolute for you paid circumstance, like kind of just got connected that little bit and um, you know, working on I think that that's a cool way to 
get bowling into the minds of people is use the channels that are already there because it's working for other sports and the in the in the big major sports aren't using it right like um you probably you know you're you're european so you probably think baseball is dumb and american football is stupid are you a soccer fan actually you gotta be i no i don't like soccer. no i think soccer is stupid I love baseball and I don't like American football because I don't know where the ball is and they stop every five seconds. Yeah. Yep. So, but like these big, it's very, these, it's very challenging for me to watch it. Yeah. These big sports though, they're not using their, um, they're not using what they have available to them um, to make the sports grow. Like baseball, there's no accessibility to players at all. Football's okay about it, but the NBA, which, taught, you know, basketball is what it is. You like it, you don't. But, like, those players are human to all of the fans, which is why their merchandise sales are through the roof. And, like, basketball cards are ridiculously um, overpriced right now. And, like, there's so many things that, like, you know, Le- LeBron James, you know, be him what he is, he like when he he it feels like he's in your house when he's playing basketball versus like this baseball player who's just hanging out in right field and I barely know his number let alone his name it's it's different and if you can use social media and cuz I felt that actually in bowling in the early 2000s when lumber liquidators uh Denny's you know the the, the PBA tour was right at the end of that ABC era, um, I watched bowling every single Sunday over football because they were people like they were doing interviews. And like, like I said, Tommy Jones was a person. He wasn't just some dude that was just on TV and now he's a hall of famer, which is awesome. But that's why I loved the sports because they, I was, you know, I was watching people that I liked succeed or not sometimes. And if you can do that through the channels that we have now, um, you don't have to wait for TV. You don't have to wait for CBS Sports to be like, yeah, we'll do a full TV schedule again. It's like, actually, let's all just be popular on our own. And then CBS Sports won't be able to say no. That, to me, is a solution. Okay. So. That, that, that makes sense. Yes, it does. It's, but again, you're going to graduate school for it. And I, I still think that there's more answers that you're going to have than I will have because you're actually out doing it, which good on you, by the way, to get out there and and try because that, I don't know if you realize this, but the women are way better bowlers than the guys are. <laughs> like like a lot better. In my opinion, I think all the women are phenomenal you bowlers. Make more spares. You have to play the lane the right way too. Like so many of the, like so many of the guys just get in and hammer on it and and then just all this friction gets in and then it's just a hook party. Like to me, you know, that's fun fifteen yeah, percent of the time. The Lucy was great because I could actually get with the girls, yeah, to stay right most of the time and actually to try. Yeah. Which you probably got to do a lot but in college. There were a few tournaments where on on the women's tour, I could get black and oh yeah. I in college I didn't start sliding right of twenty five. It was great. <laughs> Just get in and hammer on it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have ten people in a pair. It's right. 
it's very it's very crispy by game three. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And then yeah, so in that's in your it was always all women though, right? Or did you ever cross with? Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, it's still a hook fest, but yeah. What what's the one where they still hand oil? Um, I feel like it could be if. I could think of one tournament, it would be an AIA, and it would be Hoosier Classic. That's it. You and nailed Indianapolis. it. Indianapolis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and it was I, a mess. I, I never bowled it, but apparently I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would never want to do that. That, and then there's uh, the Bradley. The Bradley, where they put out, like, the 37 mil patterns, and it's just like, all right. We're gonna throw charcoal all day long, and it's it's you're not gonna like it. Have <laughs> <laughs> um, fun suffering. Yeah, right, right, and not like not like fun suffering. Like no, you're just your your hands just gonna hurt. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Maria, thank you very much. I have taken plenty of your evening, though. Um, I will. I will let you go, but I just, yeah, thanks for, thanks, thanks a ton for doing this, and um, you're bowling the fall classic, I would assume, right? Yes. Awesome. For well, now, yes. right, right, till, till the world changes again. We'll give her, <laughs> give her a little knock on wood. Um, well, good luck out there when, when that comes around. Maybe we'll be in touch before then, um, but if I don't talk to you before then, great, best of luck out to you. Uh, phenomenal bowling this season. Um, you know, beat you. You kind of talked about it, where it's like sometimes I want to be great, but sometimes I got to realize I'm breathing in the same air as Liz Johnson. Um, you held your own, and and I think you showed up pretty darn well in in a lot of good ways, and I think you're headed in a good direction. So keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Big thank you to Maria for saying yes to doing this podcast and kind of being our guinea pig here as we figure out some of the details of how this whole thing is going to work. 10pin life does have a couple other interviews already lined out so be sure to hit subscribe hit that like button drop a five star if you're on itunes even just hit that like button anything that you can do to help kind of spread the message so that we can make our sport better i would be very very grateful for but that's going to wrap it up for 10pin life podcast episode one we'll catch you on the next one